Today we're going to have open mic, and so we've got a few callers on the line already, but before I get started, I always like to tell people a little bit about Alzheimer's Speaks because we're always getting new listeners. So for those of you that are new to our show, Alzheimer's Speaks was basically created because my own mother had dementia for 30 years, and as a family member, I I felt this isolation and lack of resources, and I wanted to do something about it, and so I created this space in order for us to share our thoughts, our ideas, our tools, and um, products, and um, just general energy of giving hope to everybody. So thank you all for being part of our group. We also help brands um, expand their footprint by sharing their knowledge with our group as well. And so if you are a, a business that is looking to reach this group, we'd be more than glad to talk with you and um, see if we can help you raise your voice out in a community that so badly needs your services. I also, every show, have to thank our audience because I am so touched by each and every one of you. You see, your likes, your clicks, your shares have made such a huge impact on the world in getting Alzheimer's Speaks recognized. And we didn't do that. You did that. We did that as a team, knowing that this is an important subject and something that is so badly needed out there. And so, again, thank you, because you, each one of you, every time you like our show or the website or the blog or maybe our dementia chats, interviews, um, anything on our YouTube, you are pushing information out into the world and you're making a huge difference. You've gotten us recognized by Oprah, Maria Schreiber, Dr. Oz, and now AARP is recognizing us um, this month. And again, that's not that's not me. That's not Alzheimer's Speaks. That is a true collaboration of people working together. So I share all those accolades with you. I also have to always give a shout out to some of my, my favorite companies. Um, the Roberto app was developed by a bunch of athletes who were dealing with um, concussions and some brain disorders. And it's, it measures your brain function. And you can go to alzheimerspeaks.com and get an extended trial so that you can kind of get a pattern for your own brain health and analyze, you know, is it time to go to the doctor? Are you doing okay? What, and it'll make you think, what affected my score? And sometimes it's easy things to correct. Maybe we didn't eat right. Maybe we drank too much. Maybe we didn't get enough sleep. Maybe we have a lot of stress. Maybe we have multiple things kicking into gear or we've changed our medications. It's just easier to hone in on those things when you are playing this uh, video game and seeing your results that are measuring all the different attributes um, of your brain and how it's functioning. And then Maria Shriver, she is just, you know, one person I so look up to. She's got such a dear heart, and she's doing so many things for good around the world. She has um, a movement called the Women's Alzheimer's Movement. She does something called Move for Minds, but she... um, Although she's an American journalist, many of us know she is doing a lot of things in the area of dementia, and kudos to her for doing that. She also has something called the Sunday Paper, if you're ever looking for something to lift you up. Um, I look forward to that every Sunday night. I can't wait till I wake up Sunday morning to read it, because she talks with leaders and architects of change all over the world Um, and shares their knowledge with us in such a friendly, friendly way. 
Then many people ask me about, you know, how do you prevent Alzheimer's and what kind of research is going on? And and I, I hold dear to my heart the Alzheimer's Research and Prevention Foundation because they take a holistic approach. They've come up with some tied and true meditation um, methods that can help us with that. And then also the uh, calendar cards memory system um, created to help people in early memory loss manage their day-to-day life has also correct uh, created the memory cafe directory and you can just go to memory cafe directory.com and, and learn about both of those and then last I just want to say uh, before I introduce and find out who's on the line with us here um, I want to um, just remind people that October is Louis body awareness month Now, I'm thrilled to death that we have a um, couple of gals on the line. Uh, One is Kate Lubu. And Kate, how are you doing today? I am doing great. How are you, Laura? Well, well, good. Can you tell people, just give them a little background on yourself versus me talking about you? It's probably better coming from you. Sure. I am Kate. I live in Illinois. I am a patient of um, frontotemporal dementia, meaning the frontal lobes of my brain are degenerating as the cells are dying. Um, I was diagnosed six years ago, and um, I am doing as well as I can be. Wonderful. And Kate's going to be my co-host today. We also have um, Kelly Horton on the line. And Kelly, I'm going to have you go ahead and introduce yourself, if you don't mind, and give people a little background about yourself. Uh, Thank you. My name is Kelly Horton. I founded an organization called Dementia Connections Coalition. And in essence, what this is about is uh, we're an organization that um, it is, um, oh, I just lost my, my wording even. Um, we interpret or translate, translate's a better word, uh, what people living with all forms of dementia want in their lives, and we ensure that they receive that because that's their right. Wonderful. I, um, I appreciate you both being with us today, and um Kelly, I don't know if you can stay with us the the whole hour or if you just have a short period of time. I know Kate was planning on trying to stay with us the whole hour today. I was just, I really am interested in in learning and listening, and I am always so impressed with everything that you do, Lori. Okay, So I will be here for the hour, but just really, I just wanted to kind of be in the background for you. Okay. Okay, sounds sounds good. I, I will pull you into the conversation, I'm sure, because you are a, a wealth of information as well. I'm going to hop back to um, to Kate then at this point. Uh, Kate, one of the, the topics I know that we had talked about offline that you were interested in was was just elder abuse. Um, it's, it seems rampant in our country. And it happens on a lot of different levels. Do you hear a lot about elder abuse? Um, yes. Actually, I worked in a, a couple of um, memory care facilities. And I have firsthand been a witness of uh, elder abuse. Actually, have reported it. And uh, management wasn't too happy with me. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, it seems like I was on the side of the family and against the institution, which was totally not the reason I report, but for the sake of the patients that were, that were you know, going through the abuse. And, yep. uh, yes, and it so happened that uh, one of the patients was the mother of a, a judge and uh, I was standing there, and, uh, you know, they used to use the Hoya lift, but now they've gone to the remote control thing, whatever it is, that's uh, more uh-huh. complex for me. And I, I was watching the, the, the girls, uh, the aides were, you know, lifting her with the remote control lift, and uh, just before I said anything, her foot was crushed. 
somehow. Oh my gosh. In between the, yes. And uh because uh she had late dementia, she could not actually express herself and uh you can just see her flinch and then the next day, because she's not my patient, the next day uh I was told by the daughter in law that actually uh cared for her a lot, came visit her like every meal about uh, the result of the accident. And uh, I asked her, why don't you report it? She said, you see, this is what happened. I wouldn't be here 24-7. She spoke um. to the management, but she could not do further. And actually, three of her children were attor- uh, attorneys. She says, no, I'm not going to report it. But she did take pictures, and she showed them to me. And, uh, of course, I later went in to see the her mother-in-law. Now, what do you do about that? Because you're going home and uh, you don't know what's going to happen further if you were to report about your loved one. That's that's tough. It's it's a very, very tough. I, I have talked with many people that say they're they're leery about reporting because they they don't know where their person would go next or if they would be mistreated or they would be treated differently if they reported. Um, and and yet we need education and, and people shouldn't be getting harmed, you know, when they are in when they are in communities. Um, now, what kind of job did you have when when you worked in a community, um, Kate? Um, oh, I, I not only worked part-time in a community, in a, I mean, I worked in a community. Remember, I've got uh, um, early onset Alzheimer's, so my words might overlap as we speak, and uh, I, um, I'm kind of uh, slow when I'm thinking of a, a word. So excuse me for that. Um, I do volunteer currently at a couple of uh, Alzheimer's units, just mm-hmm. because um, we cannot find a cure today, so I am doing the the uh, the least I can do. I think visiting the ones that already have Alzheimer's. So that is uh, going to the facilities, holding their hand, keeping quiet, just you know, looking at them like they are they they need dignity as opposed to you know comings and goings like they're part of a furniture in a room, which. I often see, unless you go and see a specific person, the rest of them are just furniture. I mean, this is not done purposefully. Everybody has something in their mind when they went there to see a loved one. But I'm talking about even staff can do that, you know, uh, other than just random people. So that's what I do in the community, in my community currently. Um, other than that, I am uh, the administrator of a couple of uh, online support groups. And, um, uh, yes, so what was the question, Laurie? <laughs> oh, no, you're you're doing just fine. I said it's just a, a difficult situation, and I was wondering when you worked in the communities, my question was just what kind of job did you have there? So I was um, a personal assistant to several, okay. um, several emeritus professors. Okay, great. Well, it's it's a it's a difficult position uh, a lot of times for staff to be in too because they worry about will will they lose their job? Will they be reprimanded? Sure. Because I, I know here in Minnesota they're coming down very very hard and rightfully so um, on on organizations. And um, Elon Caspi, who happens to work with us a lot on dementia chat is a behavioral um, specialist, and he has been in the news quite a bit about standing up, you know, and trying to stop this abuse and, and raising awareness on how often this is happening in a lot of communities. Now, that's not to say it happens in every community. That's not to say that sure. it is happening in a purposeful manner. Um, correct, it, it, correct. But things Things do happen, and we need to be we need to be better trained. I'm going to pull in Kelly and just see if Kelly has had any um, thought. If you have any thoughts on this topic with elder abuse, Kelly. Absolutely. Uh, you know, before I started uh, studying 
dementia, and I'm actually just finishing my master's in dementia studies here in Colorado, but I've been in the aging industry for over 25 years. When I went back to school and started my undergraduate degree, I also worked as an overnight caregiver in a memory care community. And this was a brand new, beautiful setting. Um, I was there the very first day, and it ended up being um, probably the best motivator for me to continue my education um, as much as anything for a couple of reasons. I also, uh, I never actually saw um, abuse, but I saw the bruises from the physical abuse, or I would I was the overnight care provider, so I was there from 11 to 7, um, from Sunday through, or I'm sorry, from, yeah, from Sunday night through Thursday night, and that went on uh, for over three years, but I would come back after a weekend, and I knew how my residents were when I left, and when Mm -hmm. I would come back, whether it was the bruises or... uh, the crying or you could tell something had happened and you don't, you know, for me, I didn't want to go up and say, you know, what's wrong, what happened? But it was that gentle, just talking, um, trying to, they trusted me uh, just because we were, we were family on my shift. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, to realize that either someone silenced them meaning, you know, they were trying to say what they wanted or what they didn't want and they were ignored or uh, patronized. I also find that happens very frequently, and that's another form of abuse. But I actually called the state three different times myself. And the nurse that ended up uh, being in this community actually had uh, federal charges um, a year after I left. Um, brought up against her. So, you know, my thought is if we suspect that's happening, it's important. I, of course, I worried about losing my job, but I was more concerned about if, if I'm not here, then who? Because over the weekends, I didn't feel like they were getting the care. This is how, you know, I think of myself. Nobody could give them the care that I could type of thing. Mm-hmm. And so I was more concerned about that. Well, and I, I appreciate that. I'm I'm going to just review because there's a lot of different types of abuse that are out there. Mm-hmm. So, you know, some of the categories are the physical abuse, the sexual abuse, um, emotional abuse, just neglecting somebody or total abandonment, and then financial abuse. And so, for example, with um, physical abuse, most of us understand what that is. It's it's the use of physical force against an older adult that could, you know, result in bodily harm or physical pain or even impairment. And an example would be somebody striking out with an object or hitting or pushing or, or shoving somebody to cause harm. Sexual abuse, a lot of times people think that that can't happen in older adults, and it and it, it still can happen. And basically, sexual abuse can happen at any age. It's just non-consensual sex um, con- conducted with uh, with an older an older adult, and it's unwanted touch to rape or sodomy, um, nudity, all kinds of different things can fall into that. Uh, that category. And then there's that, that psychological abuse, which I think so many people don't truly understand. They, they feel it, but they don't know how to label it. And that is really when you're feeling this anguish or pain or distress or anxiety through verbal or nonverbal acts by somebody else. And so um, some examples would be verbal assaults where we've all had somebody go off on us during our lives or insults or threats or using intimidation or humiliation or harassment. That is all in the category of psychological abuse. And then we also have under this elder abuse category, financial um, exploration or um, exploitation where people are illegally or improperly using uh, their funds. 
um, or their property or their assets. So that could be anything from cashing somebody's check to forging signatures to misusing or stealing um, an adult's money or possessions. It could be jewelry. It could be vehicles. It could be property. It could be all kinds of things. And then, you know, the the neglect category is when someone is supposed to be caring for somebody and they either refuse or fail to fulfill um, their obligation. And so in an institutional setting or a community setting, um, I, I would say more often they fail versus refuse to do it um, where they just didn't meet the person's needs. Um, but again, that can that can cause huge issues from not um, toileting and bathing them or feeding them, um, you know, holding back uh, water, clothing, shelter, um, medications, or allowing for, you know, a safe, a safe environment as a whole. And then we have that abandonment issue again, where someone just doesn't take action um, and, and leaves a vulnerable person alone, you know, and not able to, to fend for themselves. And, and so there's lots of different categories out there. Um, Kate, have you ever run into this situation, um, you know, for yourself or, or with friends? Yes, I have, as a matter of fact. Um, uh, the, uh, is it uh, whoever, Carrie? Was it Carrie? Yes, oh, Kelly. 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 Hi, Kelly. Um, I'm sorry about that. I'm not remembering uh, if it's Carrie or Kelly. Um, you have touched on a, on a subject that's very, very close to my heart about, you know, um, while you were going to school and you, you, you worked to further your education at a facility, and I worked day shifts, and you worked the night shifts. And uh, I have gone back to see my patients. They are my eight patients for that month or a couple months. And I saw bruised wrists on a patient of mine. And he's such a, a wonderful, wonderful, highly intelligent, you know, uh, a gentleman. And he would not, he did not talk much, but he would tell me. He trusted me, and he would ask for me even at night. So, you know, we're, we're buddies. So anyway, I asked him, oh, wow, you know what happened? Did you fall? Last night, did you fall? He says, no. I said, what happened? He said, the pregnant one, she did it. And the, and the man, I went out, who on earth? Could it be a hallucination or anything? Then I got it. There's a, a, a nurse aide who's pregnant, and the man's her husband, and that's how he got it. Uh, no doubt, uh, he had sundowners really bad. So I was very careful, you know, in checking everything out with him before I did or said anything. And, yes, uh, you do see bruises with your patients, and it just breaks your heart. Um, there is really not much you can do other than reporting. Like after after my shift, I would be thinking, is it going to be all right when I go back the next day? You know, uh, that, that's just to to let you know that, yes, I, I have seen that and uh, I concur with you. Um, Laurie, uh, with regard to have I experienced it personally or a friend or friends, uh, I hear things you know, about it all the time. As a matter of fact, um, not too long ago, I myself was, going through uh, verbal abuse, and it is in relation to a, a, a grandson. I'm going to be very open about this, uh, in relation with a grandson who is the son of my youngest son with his ex-girlfriend, and now he's got a new girlfriend. The new girlfriend, for some reason, uh, wanted to take over the parenting role, and slowly I didn't see him. I was I saw him for three over three years because he was in my care a lot, uh-huh. and uh, he loved it here. This is his stability because mom and dad were young and had problems, you know. So um, the new girlfriend just slowly just you know stopped his visitation to me, and I was thinking of how. 
much emotional and physical abuse that would lead to uh, no no not physical I'm sorry I'll take that back emotional and uh, mental abuse that child has which cannot be mm-hmm. seen and because they are young they're they're not aware perhaps of you know emo- what's emotionally happening and what is what are lies like verbally happening no you can't see your grandmother because she's sick now mm-hmm. um, that also is emotional and mental. And would it lead to him not wanting to eat? Would it, you know, in this case, I, I, the person who has Alzheimer's, oh no, sorry, uh, FTD, is worried, and that does not help my health, is worried about my grandchild whose health is probably um, going downhill. I can just imagine that because we're so close. Um, how did I feel about that? I, I, I felt worse. I felt horrible. I was nauseous. Um, I could not sleep. I, it, it impacted um, my frontal lobe dementia drastically. I was going downhill. Then I developed apathy. I was not necessarily depressed. I could not motivate myself. I was on the couch, and I still do that certain days because the thing's not resolved. So there were a lot of threats from the girlfriend that should I come and see him and against the rule, uh, she would take me to court. But because we have dementia, we are more vulnerable to to um, abuse of any kind because uh, it, it takes us longer to think of an answer and to retaliate if at all we can because uh, there are times that the louder the, the, the person gets who's confronting you, the more you retreat in spite of yourself. And uh, I personally have symptoms that would just shut off. My ears start to drum. And um, that, that is uh, quite common with FTD. My ears start to drum and then uh, my mind is stuck. stuck. That means it's, it's tuning out. Nothing happens. So all of this happened and my husband was sitting there and later he, he had to to me what she said. Some of it I remembered. Um, she threatened me. She, uh, um, she yelled at me, and my son was totally silent straight off. I cannot believe one of my children can do this to me, especially when, you know, I'm not going to use the, the uh, dementia card. But I'm his mother and the child's grandmother. And uh, and and well, a lot of things were said, like your own child doesn't love you. She thinks he thought that you never loved him. Those things, you know, did hurt, and I I did I did recognize those words as hurtful. The oh, yeah. situation also is yeah, it's because I went to visit his ex's mom because the ex's mom had a knee surgery, and that was all. That was how it all started because she did not want anyone in our family. Have anything to do with the, my my grandson's other grandmother? That's how it over a very very petty thing, and uh, and uh, it became big. So I don't see my grandson anymore for the past four months, and uh, it, you know. So I I did call the uh, Department of Aging Senior Services, and uh, I had a, a face-to-face uh, meeting with one of the uh, social workers. And uh, she asked what I would like her to do. I said, call my son and said that this is not okay. This is abuse. She did call my son and said, did you do such and such, you know, yell at your mom or whatever? He said, yes. And then she said, well, what do you think about your mom's visitation? She says, no, we are the parents. And uh, she has just to go with our rules. And she cannot overstep her boundaries. Then I asked the social worker, did you ask about my grandchild? She says, no. I said, but he's, he's, he has no voice. We talk a lot about abortion, and the, the, the fetus does not have a voice. It is the same with a, with a live uh, toddler or infant. They don't have a voice. You need to know how they are. So now the case is dropped, the case is closed, because I have no signs of, uh, of a bruise or any physical signs of uh, neglect. And those are the two main things that would have given me some uh, leverage, is uh-huh. what you call it. 
otherwise no. Although they could speak up, and if these are one of the uh, abuses that is stated, sexual neglect, uh, you know, physical, verbal, but none of that matter unless you have any physical sign or any signs of neglect. Mm-hmm. So we came down to that. Well, that's too bad. I'm going to pull Kelly back in and just see uh, what are your thoughts on that, Kelly? I, I know it, it's so difficult, this whole proof business, but I mean, even what she's talking about is, you know, her her son is really being psychological, or her, her grandson sounds like he's being psychologically um, abused, and there, there's this ripple effect you know, um, that then now Kate can't see her grandson. What are your thoughts on, on that situation? Well, I, first of all, I think it's a, a tragic situation to, to hear about. I, I can't imagine how that might feel. And my, my thought is initially if, if I, I, I understand when people are living through dementia, how important connections are, whether it is uh, past family connections, present, past friends, but also the, um, the connections that we make as we're living today and in the future. I mean, um, you know, the need for those connections doesn't mi- diminish at all. But my thought is if, if someone is not able to physically see a loved one, um, you know, is it something for myself? I wonder about would it be enough just to continually try to connect even through letters and cards? And I know that's kind of off. Um, you know, as a consultant, what I do now is a, uh, someone that kind of works as a liaison, a go between whether it's the medical professionals or the, um, the family members, that type of thing. What I'm always doing is I feel like I'm always just saying, look, um, I'm communicating with the person that's living with dementia. This is what they say they want. I don't interpret it. I'm telling you what they're saying. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it's not from my perspective. It's from theirs. And how can we come together? And if we can't, why? But I think it's always important that the other person know, um, you know, just like as a grandma, it's, is it just being a grandma? Is the dementia part of this and the, the intense feelings? It's always talking and being, you know, putting it out there. This, this is truth. Whether everyone agrees with the truth or not, this is how I'm feeling and this is mm-hmm. why. And, you know, uh, Tipa Snow often says, you know, um, it's, it's those of us that are not living with the dementia that need to and can change. It isn't always the person living with the dementia itself that's capable of doing that. So, you know, I just don't, it sounds like dealing with professionals that don't always know how to uh, straddle. Uh, you know, work between the two parties, that type of thing. I think in some ways that that causes, um, uh, fertilizes the ground for uh, more types of abuse to occur. And and I, that always just breaks my heart because I just think things could be so much more simple. We just, we're so busy complicating things as professionals. Yep. Yep, definitely, definitely. Now we have a new caller on the line. I believe it is Harry Urban. So let me pull Harry in, and I will let uh, Harry introduce himself. Harry, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Can you hear me? Well, thanks for calling in today. We are talking uh, with uh, Kate and also Kelly on um, elder abuse. But if you don't mind giving our audience a little background um, on yourself, and then we'll pull you in this conversation, too. Oh, wonderful, yeah. Um, Well, I've been living with the diagnosis of Alzheimer's for 14 years. And um, when I... When I speak out about that, people say, well, how can that be? You know, because they see the stigma and the myths of uh, 
any any form of dementia, and they say, well, you can't possibly be able to to speak and hold a conversation after 14 years. But uh, I'm here to tell you, I am, I do, and uh, uh, it gave me a passion in life, and it gave me a reason to live. Wonderful. Well, Harry, you have been just such a, a huge advocate um, in the in the arena of dementia. And Harry has a Facebook group called Forget Me Nots. He has uh, he's worked with people over in Italy with a group called Sentimenta. He's just very very connected and really helps people in terms of continuing to live fully through dementia and there are lots of different episodes out there we we talked about um earlier some of the different types of dementia i'm just kind of rattling the the internet trying to find different um different stats and one of them here says you know um nine in ten people will be abused at at some point um, with elder abuse, other statistics I've seen are, are much lower in that. Harry, have you um, have you personally had to deal with any form of, of elder abuse, be it neglect or physical abuse, financial, emotional, you know, sexual? Um, th- there's so many different types of abuse out there. Have, have you and your family run into that at all? I can't think of anybody that has not. Uh, me personally, my life is is it filled with with some form of abuse. Um, social media, I get I get the most abuse from people. You know, people get downright angry at me because uh, when I'm speaking out, I speak out on hope. That's that's my main category, hope, and uh, people. People lash out at me. They uh, they question my integrity. But the thing that gets me the most is they attack my integrity. They they get it personal. Mm-hmm. You know they they don't they don't attack anything else. Uh, as far as abuse goes, um, I have a I have a son that. Um, uh, not to go into any details or anything, but. But he took advantage of my disease so much. Mm -hmm. And um, we had a business and he kind of he kind of disrupted the business and it went downhill and all because of my disease, because dad didn't know what he was doing and he he can get away with it. But the but elder abuse, power of attorney abuse is one is on the rise, and mm-hmm. it, it's horrible because uh, we rely on our sons and daughters to be power of attorney, but when they don't when they don't show the character to do it, um, we never we never report that abuse, so it goes undetected, and um, slowly and slowly people are beginning to realize that that um they need help and mm-hmm. and outside people looking into the financials and finding out that there's a lot of discrepancies here that a lot of money's being taken that shouldn't be taken and things like that so i I can honestly say that that elder abuse is is going rampant and it's going up, yep. One of the things I'm just looking, you know, again, I'm just kind of Googling as we're talking here, and the National Association of Adult Protection Services um, has a breakdown of of perpetrators, and this might be surprising to some. They have 40% are adult children, 15% are um, spouses, 9% 9% are grandchildren. Another 9 they have is other. Um, 8% other relatives. 6% parents. 6% siblings. Um, 3% service providers. 1% a friend. And then 1% unknown. And, I, you know, there's not a year on this that I, that I can find. 
Um, but sometimes people think that it's always a stranger, and I think so often it it happens within our immediate circle, you know, with that. And um, and it's just it's so it's so sad to me. There's also another thing out here that somebody had put out for World um, Elder Abuse Awareness Day, and they had ten tips to promote respect and prevent abuse. And that is first to love and cherish our older relatives and uh, people in our lives. And, and I think here in the U S we don't do as good of job as some other areas in the world do speak respectfully to our elders, include older people in, in our social activities, um, inviting them instead of, of keeping them isolated um, support them in any fashion that we can encourage and support older adults to make their own decisions and feel as independent um, honor them as a whole look up to the wisdom that they hold um, it says enable our older adults to continue at their own pace whatever that might be but to be part of our communities be part of our families um, respect older people, uh, listen to their stories. Uh, there's so much for them to teach us. And, you know, seek advice from an elder abuse or neglect prevention service if you think somebody is, is being abused. And, and that is a hard, a hard, hard space to walk into. Um, Kate, I'm going to go back to you. Do you have other tips that you would give people uh, to keep in mind to try to prevent Elder abuse? To, I would say to really open their minds to the fact that the perpetrators are mostly, most likely to be family, like adult children or spouses. And Harry and I are very blessed because we have wonderful spouses, right, Harry? And, uh, <laughs> and uh, to, um, uh, as you said, respect i think that that is lost in this mm-hmm. country like two generations ago you know so uh what what do we do what do we do as uh people that are already um uh, afflicted with the disease um mm-hmm. we can't do anything but to advocate to write to speak about it they don't listen to it they go on like that there is nothing much we can do, but there is hope that in 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 future, you know, that when they learn more about this and they're interested, when they, it hits home more, there will be more education. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, the 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 other thing is for for the ones that do not have the disease to um to be more uh, watchful of what is happening around them. I know sometimes it's self-defeating to call up uh, adult services or whatever, and they can only just do two things, and that's it. You know, that's it. Mm-hmm. They'll drop the ball. So um, I really have no – I've gone through this, and uh, if I can stop this myself, then I can have more advice for for the people out there. And if you were to suggest uh, seeing um, uh, uh social service worker, mediator, they are going to say no. They're going to. And there's a problem here too. We as baby boomers, we, we suffer a lot of silent uh, abuse. We do not want mm-hmm. to speak out. We're embarrassed. We're embarrassed that we've got a child like that. We're embarrassed that the public will know. We're embarrassed that the caregivers would talk. That mm-hmm. is the big thing. We have to, to speak out about, you know, stop being silent. Just speak out. Yeah, and it's it's hard when when it's someone who's supposed to be caring for you because I've heard people say too, with dementia or not with dementia, when they're in that situation, it's like, well, if something Mm -hmm. happens to that person and they don't care for me, then what happens to me? And so, you know, that keeps people Mm -hmm. quiet. I know when my dad was in a nursing home at the end of his life, and and I, Mm -hmm. I beat myself up on this still. He he mentioned some kind of verbal abuse and harassment that he said he was getting mm-hmm. from some of the aides. And at this time, my dad had um, brain cancer, and his his memory wasn't the best. And I I didn't 
I didn't really believe him. And I had a really close relationship with my dad, but I thought it was the disease because I I didn't see um, any disrespect from the staff. And I'll never forget, uh, I'll never forget, and I still have this letter someplace in my house, but a staff wrote afterwards, another staff, that she was so sorry she didn't speak up because she knew that there were a couple of aides that were mistreating my dad. And she she wrote this beautiful letter of how much she loved my dad and how much she re- respected him. And he was more like a father to her than her own father. Um, but she was so afraid of, of repercussions and losing her job and she couldn't afford to lose her job. And it just made me sick to think that he told me once, and I didn't. I didn't follow through, and I, I'm so ashamed of that. But I just, no. um, it didn't add up. It didn't show, and there were so many other things. And so I think, you know, people, if somebody is saying that it, it still needs to be investigated, I don't know if it would have been found out. I don't know if that other staff would have said, you know, uh, uh, spoke up and, and said that. She had witnessed it because she was fearful of her job. I'll never, I'll never know. But I just really feel sad about that. May I interject here, Laurie? Um, mm-hmm. Don't don't feel bad about it. It 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 is unfortunate, but elder abuse is predictive of later onset dementia or later onset diseases. Okay, and it all goes back to also understaffing and underpaid workers. Mm-hmm. They're not happy in what they're doing. They're not putting their all in what they're doing. They're overloaded with work. And so the anger comes from there. It's no excuse. It's not an excuse. Yeah. But it does trace back to that. Yeah. And we there do have to we do have to, to train. Yeah, we do have yes. to train people better. And we have to train families better too. Um in terms sure. Of, of what is what. Um, Kelly, I'm going to th- throw you back into the loop again and see if you have any comments as well. I, I have to say this is one of the reasons I really so respect you, Lori, the fact that you bring up this topic and are addressing it the way that you are, but also highlighting, you know, just the two of you that are living through the your own dementias and able to say, this is how I see it, this is how I feel, and I think that's really what the difference is. And what I mean by that is when I was a care provider, even though what it was five, six years ago when I ended, and now I do the one-on-one consulting, that type of thing, what I came to realize with my, uh, my fellow care providers is that so often, None of us thought we were going to be caregivers and get rich. You aren't a caregiver because of the money. You are a care provider uh, caring for other people because there's a part of you that that feels, feels a need. The challenge, like you just said, Lori, is the lack of education. And as I'm listening, I'm thinking, you know, so often, like when two caregivers are holding a conversation over someone that is living with dementia, and let's say that they're in the end stages, and they, the caregivers treat this person as if they um, can't understand, they don't hear, they aren't going to respond, they lose, that person has lost their sense of self in the eyes of the care providers, but they haven't for who they are. But that's why what you guys are doing is so important because now there is this this movement, and you can feel it, where people living with dementia are saying, wait a minute, hold up. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it's not okay to treat us this way anymore. And now all of a sudden, I think that's what is going to be the catalyst to change uh, the numbers on abuse. You're, you're always going to have abuse, but also the stigma and other things as well. Yeah, I um, had the honor. I, I get to review a lot of um, a lot of different 
films and stuff about dementia. And there is one that is going to be coming out that is so powerful. And it, um, I, I can't give you a lot of information on it, but you can look up the butterfly approach model in care homes, which is um, over the pond with uh, Dr. David Sheard. And in this film that I previewed, and I will definitely let everybody know because we will have, we're going to have the directors and producers on the radio show um, and we'll do a video interview with them and we will push out this, this film that is exceptional but one of the things that I loved that, that David talks about is he says, you know, our training is different. We don't train somebody how to deal with dementia. We talk about their own life circumstances. And so they, so they get vulnerable and they know how it feels in different situations. And so even to come in and, and disclose to your team members what's going on in your life that you might not be proud of or you might not be comfortable with. He says this is what people with dementia deal with every single day going into different environments they're not comfortable with. And we have to feel the need to change that and make sure that they're connected and supported, which I which I absolutely adore. I'm going to pull in, I, I think, I think Craig Hankey might have just joined us. Craig, are you here? Yes, I am. Hi, Craig. Well, we are just wrapping up here. We are talking about um, uh, elder abuse, and it's been a really, really interesting conversation. And have you, uh, maybe, Craig, if you can just tell people who you are and uh, a little bit about yourself as an introduction? Sure. My name is Craig Henke. Um I was diagnosed with Lewy body dementia at age 54. I'm now 59 and um, from Wisconsin, and it's good to be on the show. Great, um, Craig. As far as elder abuse um, has happened, and, and you are you are young. You're still in your. Are you, is it, are you in your 40s or your 50s? 50s. 50s. Okay. Um, and have you run across this in your conversations with others, or have you personally ever felt abused in your life? Um, as a child, I was molested by uh, another person. But as of now, we're just going through that with my mother. We placed her in a uh, assisted living facility. Uh-huh. And She's um, was told she was going to get help anytime she needed it, and it, it's it's not happening. So we're removing her from that that um, facility because she's um, uh, what I'm looking for. She has uh, problems with the bathroom, mm-hmm. and she, when she has to go, she has to go. So she rings the buzzer, and I said they're going to be there within seconds and they're they're not showing up anymore. So the first week they were fine but uh, now they're not. Oh, uh, that's that's gotta be a, a horrible, horrible feeling. Um you know, and again when you're totally vulnerable and re- rely on somebody else, it's just it's awful. Have you reported this to the staff there in, oh, yeah. into management? Yeah. Yeah, Has we, there been any improvements or any resolve? Um, we just reported it yesterday morning, actually. Mm-hmm. And my sister took her out of the home. They put in a 30-day notice, and uh, they're taking her out of the home and putting into a different facility that they've done some homework on, and uh, it seems to be a much better facility. But as oh, an option, staying in my in my sister's house. Okay. Okay, so you did take some steps to to address that. That's wonderful. I'm going to pull um, Harry in here, and I can't believe we're down to just about six minutes left on the show here. Um, Harry, do you have any other comments for us? Yes, I do. Um, When when we talk about um, abuse, we think of either physical abuse or financial abuse of elders. But how about the emotional abuse? Now, as an example with me, um, my my son 
has restricted me from seeing my grandchildren. I haven't seen my grandchildren for over five years. Oh. Now, unfortunately, I have I have dementia. I would not recognize those kids if I saw them today. I can't even remember their names. And it's 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 all because of a petty thing. And I think that's the worst kind of abuse anybody can have. And it, it's not only people living with dementia, it's all elderly people. Uh, it seems like, like uh, 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 kids have some kind of control over us by not allowing us to see your grandchildren. Now, uh-huh. years ago, they told me that, that I could take little steps to force my my family to allow me to see my my grandchildren, but mm-hmm. what what's that going to do to them, to the grandchildren, because they have to go home. Mm-hmm. You know now, um, some of them are up in the in the teenage years, and. You hear through the grapevine that they'd like to see us and everything else, but but they're afraid to to reach out to us because of the of the of the uh, the problems they would have if the parents found out. And that's oh. so cruel. So we made the decision that we're never going to see him again. Oh, that's so sad, that, Harry. That's the worst abuse anybody can do. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Kate's going through the same thing with, with her family, with her grandson as well. And it's just, it's heartbreaking. Kate, do you have any last comments? We've got about three minutes left. Sure. Um, I, I'll just make a closing comment for myself uh, to the listeners to this program. Um, Just set aside all the bad feelings uh, we have, we with the disease are chasing for time and memories with our loved ones. And, and, and that's what I have to say. Thank you. Thank you, Kate. I really appreciate you taking the time to be with us. Same, same with Harry. Um, Craig, was there anything else that you would, you would like to share with us? Um, no, I thought it was actually on time for the show because you said 150 my time. I know I, it, that was my fault. I copied and pasted from Harry's, <laughs> and he's okay. Eastern Time, so that was totally my fault, Craig. I apologize on that. I um, I know that this is an issue that you guys hear about a lot through uh, through your different um, engagements on social media, and I know that you are strong advocates to help people through this process. So I, again, I just thank you so much for, for taking the time to be with us. And Craig, I totally apologize. My fault on that one. Kelly, any last comments from you? No, just thank you for including me. Well, I think this has been a really interesting conversation and I would really encourage people, you know, if, if you suspect abuse, um, if you, um, are are being abused yourself, you know, please speak up. Um, go to a trusted source. They are out there. I, I know it's difficult if it's if it's family or if it's a stranger, it doesn't make any difference. If it's if it's neglect, if it's physical abuse, financial exploitation, um, emotional abuse, sexual abuse, they're all you deserve better. And and there are a lot of us out here that want to help support you through that. And so contact your your county, let it be investigated, and let others lift you and support you through this process. Um, with that, I'm going to go ahead and close. Um, please, please like and share this, uh, this episode and other things that we do here on Alzheimer Speaks uh, radio, uh, check out our blog, check out our dementia chats where we have a lot of voices like we had today uh, of people who are living with dementia who can really give us the inside skinny. They are the true experts. They know what it is like 
to live with this disease day in and day out, and they deserve our respect. Thank you so much, everyone. Bye now. It's time to rethink, renew, and reimagine retirement. Hey, everybody, Jared Sebesta here, host of Retire Repurposed. Now, this podcast is about the non-financial parts of retirement, which many times can be even more challenging than the financial. We believe retirement is not the end, rather the beginning of what could be the most impactful, purposeful, and fulfilling season of a person's life. So don't retire, become repurposed. To listen now, search Retire Repurposed on your favorite podcast platform, Senior Resource, or Life Audio.